So this morning we're going to continue in our sermon series in uh, Letters to the Corinthians. And we, we are uh, the fourth talking to this uh, sermon series now. And I hope that you felt some challenge. Last week, Jim brought us a different challenge all about faith and talked about what's in your parachute. If you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back. He did a really great job and brought a really good challenge as well. Um, so please go back and revisit that if you've missed it. But we're going to continue in our sermon series that we're going through. And um, at, the, at the beginning, we talked about the introduction to the book and all the problems that were going on in this church in Corinth. And Paul was writing to address that. He was worried. Paul had planted the church some years before. Uh, he spent a year and a half in Corinth and he'd gone away and then heard these reports of all the things that ended up going wrong in the church. So he's writing into that. So we introduced the book and then we talked about how Paul addresses a need uh, for unity rather than division. Uh, there was a lot of uh, division in the church. And the last time I spoke, we talked about Paul's call for them to not complicate the gospel, that it was a simple message that is easy for everybody to understand and everybody to accept. And they need to be sharing it in that way and not get bogged down with human uh, intelligence and all those types of things. So just kind of recaps you on what we've talked about so far. And Paul here in, this morning, I've, I've skipped forward a, a couple of chapters um, as to not keep going over the same things. Um, but also I've got to kind of pick and choose. This is a huge two letters that we're looking at here. So I've got to pick and choose what I feel God's got for us as a church in these letters. And this morning, I think is a huge challenge uh, for all of us. Um, and that is the challenge of correction. And almost here, Paul is taking a deep breath before he gets into correcting the church and a lot of things that have gone wrong. He's already talked about unity and he's talked about simplicity of the gospel. Um, but he's about to jump into even deeper problems in the church. So look, we're going to read together. We're in 1 Corinthians 4 this morning, 14 to 21 is what we're going to read. Paul says this, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you are 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent, you, sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, for, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of the way of life in Jesus Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if, you, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only, not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of, a, of, of discipline or, or shall I come to you in love with a gentle spirit? So there's something I want to say right off the bat this morning before we get into the subject of correction. And that is to lay out something that's very, uh, very clear. And that is that nobody likes correction. Nobody likes to be corrected. Um, nobody likes receiving correction. It's not an enjoyable process. From a two-year-old in our house who, who doesn't like to be corrected when we explain to her that it's not kind to throw food at the dinner table, right? 
or to a, to a 50 year old who's told by their boss that they're not putting in the required effort at work. Nobody enjoys being told that they're, they're in the wrong. Nobody enjoys uh, being told that, they've, that they need correction and they need to change. Um, some people get defensive, other people can get angry. Others will try and deflect and blame something else or someone else. It's not my fault, this is why. I've seen people, when they're corrected, actually just straight up lie and, and, and say it didn't happen or that wasn't my fault or you don't know. And in worst case scenarios, they'll, they'll actually turn it back on you and say, well, never mind you correcting me, I've seen you doing this, rather than just accepting what the truth is. But even those who do take correction well, even those who are really good at taking correction, would still admit that it's not an enjoyable process. In Hebrews, it tells us that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. That's Hebrews 12, 11. But as believers, <clears throat> we should realize that actually correction by God through his spirit, through his word, through the works of his, of his workers, it's all necessary as part of our spiritual growth. For us to continue to look more like Jesus every day, that has to happen. And the Bible tells us that God disciplines us for our own good in order that we might share in his holiness. But it, but it also says that God will do it to the right degree, unlike our earthly parents who might have punished us wrongly at times. And I'm sure that you all have a story. Everybody will have a story here um, of their parents, uh, especially when they have siblings. Um, I, I remember being a kid and me and my younger brother and my younger sister, we, we were all playing in the dining room, just running around this table. And my little sister, who is about five at the time, literally just bangs her head off the dining room table. And obviously, as you would expect, she starts to cry. And then at that moment, my parents come into the room and they say, you know, are you okay? What's the matter? And she points right at me and says, he did it. Michael did it. And I'm stood there like, I didn't do anything. She just ran into the table. And I was, I was disciplined for it, right? It was so unfair, so wrong. But the truth is, is that uh, God isn't like that. He doesn't, he doesn't judge you or correct you for things that you didn't do. And we have those parents, that, some of us have those parents and those upbringings where our, our earthly parents can, can treat us harshly or even the other opposite way of, of being too lax when it comes to correcting their children. But the Lord always corrects us for the right reasons at the right time and just the right amount. And Paul here, he's writing to the Corinthian church and he's using his authority as an apostle and he uses his pen almost like a shepherd's rod to bring correction. And Paul, hearing about this awful report of what's going on, uh, about the Corinthians being immature and, and their carnal beliefs of, and behaviors that they have, he responds like this desperate father who, who hearing about his children who are in this dangerous situation, dangerous attitudes or actions, and he's trying to put them right. He's trying to pull them into correction. He was a spiritual father, and that's what he says, like, I'm, I'm your spiritual father. And he was, as the, as the original apostolic witness that, that brought them to the gospel. And Paul applies, Paul applies the heavenly father's approach to, to, to correction 
in, in this moment. And I think it's so important for us to look at this morning. And he knows that this momentary suffering that they would go through of correction, it, it, it completely outweighed the benefits that would come. So Paul speaks to them in love and in authority. And what does he actually say here? Well, the first thing he says is, look, I'm not writing to you guys. I'm not trying to correct you guys to shame you. That's what he says, to shame them, but to warn them as his dear children. And the Greek word used here for shame is a word that conveys this idea of turning against yourselves. Whilst the word admonish or, or, or warning it means to impress something into your mind. And what does that mean? Well, simply put, Paul didn't want the wish to turn the Corinthians against themselves, but to encourage them to change their hearts. So not to say, hey, you're in the wrong, and this is why Paul's writing the letter, but actually just to, just to change their hearts. And in other words, he, was, he wasn't trying to bring a guilt trip to them. He wasn't trying to make them feel guilty, but to call them to repentance and to encourage them to straighten themselves out of the twisted thinking that they were in. And that applies to us today as we're brought biblical challenge and correction into our lives. It isn't supposed to make us feel this guilt trip. It's not supposed to send you into this place of wallowing in self-pity of how bad am I or how terrible am I? It's supposed to encourage you to straighten you up and, and to remind you of who you truly are in Christ. Billy Graham, he said, God's job is to judge you. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict you. And my job is just to love you as a, as a follower of Jesus. And I found that so true that the Spirit is the master of conviction. But what I've found in my life is when I feel convicted by the Spirit, not by man, but by the Spirit, it's always done in this gentle way that, that encourages me to imitate Christ. And it's important that we understand, that we understand what godly conviction feels like. It doesn't leave you in this pit of self-pity. It doesn't make you feel guilty to your bones, like what's the point in me being alive? It actually feel, makes you feel like there's more to my life than what I've been doing. I'm called to greater, to higher things. So let's just recap for a second. Take a, just take a pit stop. Paul is bringing a lot of correction to this church in Corinth, but he's going to do so in a godly way. And he's doing it because he's their spiritual father that loves them. But he knows that they're going to need more than this letter, more than just a few words. So at this point, he tells them he's going to send to them Timothy. And what he says, who he says Timothy is, is he's a model of this faithful child in the Lord. And this is not what Paul is saying. He's not saying, hey, everyone just be like Timothy because, you know, he's the closest thing to Jesus. He's not saying that. But evid evidently, Timothy is someone who was taken seriously the idea of discipleship and it, that it's not just what you believe, but it's also in your lifestyle. And Paul's thinking would have likely been that with Timothy's physical presence in the church among the Corinthians, it would have provided some sort of observable... <laughs> example of what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be living, how they're supposed to react in situations. And then the last thing that Paul says that is going to happen is almost like a, a warning. And like almost, I'd go as far as saying a threat to the church, which is a good threat. He says, but I'll come to you very soon in verse 19. He says, I'll come to you very soon if the Lord is willing, then I will find out 
Not only of these arrogant people who are talking, but what power they have. Who are these arrogant people who are talking, but what power do they have? And you see, as an experienced apostle, Paul knew that this letter, even Timothy's visit, would bring these feelings of animosity for some of these hard-headed cases in Corinth. And it's because of this that Paul gives this warning. And he says, hey, I'm coming and I'll be able to sift out who, who are the defiant big mouths in the church. Those in the church who were there to actually to build their own kingdom, to, to just blow hot air, right? Rather than there to build the kingdom of God. And that's quite a warning. If I were one of those people reading it in the church and I, was, I knew that I was guilty of that, I would, I'd be worried. So that's what's going on in the, in the church in that time. But why did I feel it was so important for us to stop here as a church and to look through it? What do I feel like God's wanting to say through Paul's words this morning? Well, he finishes in verse 21 with a choice. It's a very important word for us to remember this morning. It's a choice. He says, what do you prefer? Verse 21. Should I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or should I come, come to you in love with a gentle spirit? And on one hand, the Corinthians, they could receive Paul as this stern, strict, harsh father with a rod in his hand and he's going to reprimand them, right, as wayward children. And, and, and for that to happen, they only needed to continue in what they were doing, to be headstrong in their like foolish, selfish ways, to not listen to the correction that was being brought to them and to just continue to sin. On the other hand, the other choice that they had was to receive him as this gentle, loving father who was ready to impart spiritual blessing on them. And for that, what they needed to do was to repent, turn from their selfish ways, and to restore unity in the church by acting out humility towards one another. But in the end, you see, the choice was completely theirs. And as disciples of Jesus this morning, you still have that same choice that they did all those years ago. I said at the beginning uh, about this unfair correction that I got, just one of many stories, being the oldest sibling, by the way, of being unfairly blamed for something that I didn't do, that I wasn't in the wrong for, uh, when my sister hurt her head, and how it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, that I was corrected for that. But let me say this, many of you will have experiences, even when, when I say the word father, you'll have these feelings inside of what maybe you experienced an unfair father, unfair parents. But God isn't like that. You see, our earthly parents are limited. But God, he has all knowledge, all wisdom, and he sees everything. And he is the perfect judge. The second thing that I would like to say is that when God corrects us, when he brings correction to our lives, it is for your good. And we can often get confused between punishment and correction, between punishment and discipline. And I'm not talking about God punishing you here. That's not what we're talking, that's not a biblical principle that we're talking about here. Because punishment is for the sake of, punish of punishment. For, for punishing you for something you've done wrong. Discipline, on the other hand, 
which is what disciples of Jesus experience, is, is growth and correction. Jesus describes this in John 15, saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Every branch that does bear fruit, that um, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. When God brings discipline and correction to your life, it's not, it's not just fair, it's not just the right amount, it's not just what you need, but it is to bring you to your full potential. There's real purpose behind it. And ultimately, it's to help you bear fruit and to look more like Jesus. And the third and final thing that I'd like to say about this, I would say is the difficult one. It's a choice that Paul gives at the end to the Corinthians, at the end of the chapter. He says, you can stay hard-headed. You can stay in that place where you're just happy to be sinning, to, to be selfish, to continue to do what you know to be wrong. You can keep on gossiping. You can keep on watching porn. You can keep on lying. You can keep on cheating. You can be selfish. You can be self-centered, unforgiving, prideful, uncaring, lazy, apathetic. You can keep worshiping idols or money or possessions. Whatever that looks like in your life, Paul's saying, hey, you can choose to keep doing that. Or the second choice is you can choose you can choose to, to take those things in your life that you know do not reflect who you are in Christ and you can get rid of them. You can repent from them. And instead, you can be committed to humbling yourself and accepting that perfect correction that God brings. You can commit yourself for the rest of your life to walking more closely with Jesus. And I would say very obviously, that this is not a one-time decision. You don't just choose once not to do those things and to follow Jesus instead. It's a continuous choice to choose Jesus over those other things. It's a constant commitment to die to myself and instead to live in Christ. So my question to you very clearly this morning is, what do you choose? Do you choose to accept correction from the Spirit? Because I believe this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of the places in our lives where we've chosen selfish desires, selfish wants, chosen our own way rather than that which we know we're meant to be choosing. What is it in your life that you know doesn't reflect who you are in Jesus? And if so this morning, if you know what that is, what's your choice? To receive that gentle, loving correction, to, to be brought into a place of sharing in God's holiness through Jesus. And nobody enjoys it at the time. The Bible's very clear about that. Nobody enjoys it. It feels shameful. It feels awful. But yet when the Spirit brings conviction, are you going to choose to listen? Choose to believe that God has better for you. Choose to believe that he's going to bear more fruit through you, through that pruning, through that correction. It's only a choice that you can make. And I want to encourage you this morning to take seriously what God is saying to you. So I want to pray with you right now. 
Father, I thank you for that challenge. As your disciples, Lord, we want to take seriously our calling to die to the flesh and to be alive in the spirit, to get rid of fleshly desires. Lord, would you just come and speak to your church right now? I thank you, Lord, that when you come and you speak and you convict us, Lord, it is done so in love, just the right amount. And Lord, I know this morning that there's some things that you want to deal with in my life and in the life of those who are watching. I know that you want to come and, and speak into the things that we're doing that do not reflect you. Come and show us, Lord, where our motives are wrong, where we've been caught up in sin of, of gossiping or what we watch or what we do with our spare time or, or how we're distracted by idols, Lord. And Lord, would you gently convict us the way that you do. But Lord, then would you help us to respond the right way to you. To not just hear the conviction, to not just understand what you're calling us to do. But Lord, then give us the strength to, to die to it, Lord. Give us the strength, Lord, to, to deal with it. And Lord, whether that's, whether that's asking other believers that we trust and that we love for help, and for guidance and, and, and for accountability, or whether, Lord, we know whether it's something that we can just deal with right now. Lord, would you convict us? But, Lord, more importantly, would we respond to that conviction? Thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us, for the way that you care for us. But, Lord, we want to take seriously our calling to be like you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to encourage you as we um, go into a time of worship, gym leading, I just want to encourage you not to leave where you're at right now. I really feel like the Holy Spirit just wanted to speak to each and every one of us about things that we need to deal with. So I want to encourage you just to continue in that place of worship, of prayer, of just lifting Him up in your heart. And I want to encourage you, if, if, if this has brought something up that you know you need to deal with, there are people in this church Hey, you can just text me or call me if you need to, but there's people that you can feel comfortable with to get prayer with, to get, to get help with. But we need to take seriously our calling to be more like him.